Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is 9 a.m., so it's time for us to begin our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at this time. Uh, apart from Sunday morning, where we have divine service at 9.30 here at Sherman Center. So uh, today we're going to do a little bit longer story, and uh, probably one that's less familiar to you. And so that, of course, means that, uh, well, we should do diligence and learn it, and maybe consider how it applies to us as well. All right? And uh, let's see, I think that's it. So let's get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for today. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. Let's say it again. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. Our psalm this week is Psalm 132. We say it together. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is continuation from St. Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 7. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, 
It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it's good for them if they remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. To the rest I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. All right, so this is a lot of instruction from Paul as the apostle. There is some here direct word from the Lord, right? And that's in regards to divorce, which you can see here in chapter 10 and 11. Um, But he's talking about the practical consideration of uh, becoming a Christian after you're already married to one who does not desire to become a Christian or other matters about circumcision, um, about slavery and freedom earthly slavery and freedom, uh, none of these actually pertain to your faith in Christ, all right? Um, now, it is possible that they will inform one another, as they do, right? But uh, again, that last word, remain in the state that the, to which God, or which, let one remain with God in that state in which he was called, right? So don't abandon the vocations God has given you just because you become a Christian. For most of us, we don't know uh, what it's like to not be a Christian, baptized as infants, but for those who have not, um, is not a cause to abandon your wife, for example. Okay. And like I said, reading uh, regards to Elisha, this one's probably less well known. I don't remember it being in the Sunday school curriculum, so <laughs> here we go. Now, Jehoram, 
the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, and he did not depart from them. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, By way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to, to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you, but now bring me a musician. Hmm. Then it happened, when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, and stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning, when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come out to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. Sounds like uh, Ukraine and Russia, right? Ukraine and Russia. Anyway, then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, This is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil. (laughs) So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites, so that they fled before them, and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. 
Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it, and they stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. But they left the stones of Ker Haraseth intact. However, the slinger surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him seven hundred men who drew swords to break through the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took the, his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot to consider here. So let's get to it. Let's scroll back up to the beginning. There we go. All right. So now we have three kings. Um, we have the king of Israel. Remember, Israel's to the north, right? Ahab and Jezebel were in Samaria in the north. Um, and his name is Joram or Jehoram, right? Son of Ahab. The second king we meet is the king of Judah, which is the south, right? Um, think Jerusalem. And that's Jehoshaphat, who's the son of Asa, right? Um, and then we have a note here talking about Jehoram, right? And how does he compare to his mom and dad? That would be Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, it says he's, uh, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? But not quite as bad as Ahab and Jezebel, <laughs> his father and mother. Uh, as an example, he got rid of the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Um, but he still clung to the sins that had been introduced by Jeroboam, remember, son of Solomon, um, who had set, or not son of Solomon, but the uh, rebellious one of the north, his commander, right? Who had um, set up all the false worship in the north in Israel. Um, you can go back and see those back in 1 Kings chapter 12. We don't need to reiterate them now. Um, but you probably remember the most notable thing that he set up. He set up the two golden calves. Remember that, children? And he said that those calves are what brought Israel out of Egypt. Obviously not having read the Bible and the story of Aaron and Moses and the golden calf, right? <laughs> right. And then the third king we meet is Mesha here, king of Moab. All right. Moab is to the uh, west of Judah by the, by the Great Sea, by the Mediterranean. Right. And um, Ahab had been, I think, in, in, ter for, in exchange for protection, Ahab had been requiring of the king of Moab that he uh, provide both sheep and wool, right? So we have 100,000 lambs, I would presume that's yearly, right? And 100,000 rams worth of wool. It says he regularly paid, so probably every year. All right. But Ahab dies, and Mesha sees a way out, right? The king is dead, so I don't have to make that payment anymore. And he rebels. Um, and then we meet, actually, a th well, no, then we find out what happens. Jor Jehoram, or Joram, uh, the son of Ahab, what does he do? Yeah, no, not going to let him get away with that. So verses 6 and 7, right? Um, he mobilizes the armed forces of Israel, right, for war against Moab. And then, uh, interestingly enough, he seeks uh, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, of the south, uh, to go with him. I, Moab borders on both of their territories, so it makes sense that they would collaborate. Right? And uh, what does uh, Jehoshaphat say? 
uh, I will go up. I am as you are. My people are as your people. My horses is your horses, right? So we're we're all together in this. <clears throat> um, they use an interesting route. They go by way of the wilderness of Edom. I don't have a map in front of you here, but uh, you have to go through the desert. Edom is an interesting place. This is an old territory. Edom was Esau's other name, right? Edom means red. Remember Esau when he was born, Jacob's brother, uh, was quite red in appearance, <clears throat> right? So this is where, these are all the descendants of Esau, which had become a great nation. All right, so now we have the three kings joined together. Here's the new king. Um, oh, actually, there's four kings huh, total. Three kings against one, right? Mesha is the one they're fighting against, but we have Jehoram, and we also have Jehoshaphat, and they're also joined with the king of Edom, uh, whose name is not given here, all against one king, the king of Moab. All right, so after seven days of marching in the wilderness, no wonder they have no water for the army. Big surprise there. And um, what did the king of Israel then complain about? Yeah, uh, this we see a lot of whining in the Bible, so here's a pretty good example of that, right? Right, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, says that it's the Lord who's handing us over to the king of Moab. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, so what does Jehoshaphat ask about? This is actually Jehoram who says that. And then Jehoshaphat says, hey, let's go find a prophet, right? Uh, somebody to speak God's word. Is there a prophet of the Lord in the northern kingdom? And the answer is, uh, no, Elijah had gone to the south, remember? And now Elisha's still in the south. So there's an officer serving the king of Israel who says that Elisha is, uh, is here, right? Son of Shaphat, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. We've had a lot of water stories. This idea of pouring water on his hands. That should be another baptism illusion, I think. Um, and who realized that the word of the Lord was with Elijah? Elisha, excuse me. Yeah, right here in verse 12, it says that Jehoshaphat, that's the king of Judah, the south, right, um, says that the word of the Lord is with Elisha. But notice what Elisha says when they retrieve him. This is to Israel, the north, to Jehoram, or Joram. What do, you, what do I have to do with you? I'm not your prophet. Go talk to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. In other words, the false prophets, right? of Baal and Ashtra. We've already dealt with them in the north. Remember the battle on Mount Carmel with, um, with Elijah, right? And then they slayed those, many of those prophets that were there. Um, but the king says, no. No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Um, so, so Jehoshaphat, or excuse me, Jehoram, right? King of Israel. <laughs> Gotta keep these guys straight. Says that, uh, God has actually put us together. And so Elisha agrees to help, not because of the king of the north, but rather for the king of the south, right? Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. All right. Because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had rid the land of all of the, uh, all the shrines, um, the false god shrines, and their, their, actually prostitution that was there too. You can go read about that um, in 1 Kings chapter 22. All right, so he agrees. Elisha agrees. I will speak to you God's word. Uh, but notice how he agrees to speak by way of a musician. Yeah, so through music. Why do you think uh, 
Why do you think they would have music? This is like uh, with David, right? Um, and this would often happen in King's Court, is you would have the harpist play and sing psalms um, about the word of, that would then bring the word of God not only into the ear, but into the heart in a unique kind of way. Um, and of course, these psalms provide songs of deliverance uh, that God's going to provide. And uh, it also, the music then brings the hand of God upon them, right? So the spirit is uniquely given here to Elisha. Of course, you can think of David when he played uh, before um, King um, Saul, right, and drove away the evil spirit out of the heart of Saul by by his singing. Although it quickly came back again, right? Um, that you can read back in First Samuel chapter sixteen. All right. So, what's Elisha tell them to do? Verse sixteen and following: make this the valley full of ditches, right? And, he, and then he makes a promise. They'll neither see wind nor rain, but the valley would be filled with water, and then Moab would be handed over to them. So the ditches would fill with water. They would be able to feed their animals and then go into battle. That's what's going to happen. All right. And what's the great victory? Well, how great, I should say, rather, would the victory be? Yeah, they're going to over, overthrow um, every fortified city, every major town they're going to cut down every good tree they're going to stop up all the springs and they're going to ruin the good fields with stones right so this is an incredible victory is what is god's going to give them and it's all going to happen in the next morning right in the next day about the time it says here in verse 20 of the grain offering right um so this is a deliverance of god's people at the dawn of the new day should remind us of God's deliverance of us in baptism, or excuse me, in the resurrection. Uh, think of Easter Sunday morning. All right, so what happened in the valley? Just as the prophet said, right? Um, there was the water in the, in the ditches, came flowing from the direction of Edom. Um, this is, should be similar. Actually, last time, we've heard a couple stories, actually, of water flowing in the desert. All right, you can think, uh, came out of the rock. That happened twice during the Exodus, uh, where Moses struck the rock, Exodus 17, Numbers 20. All right. Now, when Moab saw the water, this is a supernatural thing happens here, they thought the ditches had filled with blood, that the three kings, so Jehoram of the north, right, Jehoshaphat of the south, and then met, um, the king of Moab, who's unnamed, that they had fought against each other, right, and... Uh, slaughtered each other and so that that it was a mirage the water looked like blood of course which god gave us um water and blood together again more baptism pictures here right that in baptism we are sprinkled with christ's blood that rescues us um, from those who seek our life namely um the death of the fa our father the devil by by flesh so the Moabites are, if you like, enticed or tricked, I would say, even into uh, waging war, right? And uh, they came into the camp, but the Israelites rose up, invaded the land, um, killed the Moabites, Moabites just as uh, God had promised that deliverance. And the Israelites uh, did to the land as God had told them, right? They filled it with stones, cut down the trees, stopped up the springs. Um, the only one that they left intact, though, is Kir Haraseth. That's actually the the capital of Moab. Right? What did the uh, king of Moab seek to do 
probably trapped there in the city, I would say. Um, yeah, he was going to have 700 swordsmen break through, break through um, the blockade that's surrounding the city, right, to the king of Edom. And then, so, so the king of Moab is going to try to join with the king of Edom, who's unnamed, but Mesha, king of Moab. And then those two are going to fight against Jehoram and Jehoshaphat, king of Israel and Judah, respectively. Got it? So it's, this is just a normal kind of uh, kingdoms fighting against each other, I suppose. And in order to um, get victory, of course, he does not worship the true God. Um, he offers his eldest son to um, the God of the Moabites, whose name is actually, uh, let's see how you pronounce it, Kemosh. Kemosh. I'm going to try to find a picture of him here. We, I don't have a picture of him, but he is. Ref, they have found um, inscriptions to him, to this Kamosh character. Uh, probably, re, probably similar to the other Semitic gods, Shamash, um, or Nurgle, right? But here, maybe the national god of the Ammonites as well. But uh, this is common in the ancient world to sacrifice one's own child to to appease. Um, an angry God and to uh, receive deliverance. Uh, but of course, this brings great indignation against Israel. I mean, it's abhorrent for us to see such sacrifice, right? And uh, But also, I think these kings might have been indicted. When they saw this uh, idolatrous king doing such an act upon the city wall, sacrificing his own son, it also probably indicted their own heart, especially Jehoram, because his his parents... Ahab and Jezebel had had the same type of worship, had also engaged in child sacrifice. Uh, and that word indignation is pretty important. It's often attached to, um, it's often attached to the wrath of God, right? So God's own wrath against against uh, sin, against idolatry. All right, um, it's to provoke God to anger is usually where it's what it's attached to. Right, fury, if you like. Uh, what's the only thing that can turn away God's wrath or fury against sinful, sinful man? Well, that would be the sacrifice of His only begotten Son, Jesus, not on the city wall of uh, Kir Haraseth, but rather um, God gives up His Son, the sinless One, for us sinners upon the wood of the cross. Um, this is actually idolatrous, not just child sacrifice in general, but specifically this, um, because. Um, the king of Edom is trying um, to put his place in the, his son in the place of Jesus to do what only Jesus can do for us. No other son of man can pay the, the price for redemption, can save us. All right. So again, um, you know, you got kings and battles and false worship, um, all sorts of things that we still see in our world around us today. And uh, we can see the, the consequences of such things is actually death and more death, and even more death. Let's try to apply this a little bit more, though. Here's a meditation. Although Jehoshaphat said that he and the king of Israel had the same people, the king of Judah still heard the word of the Lord and sought the prophet Elisha, when the king of Israel would not. Elisha came for the sake of the king of Judah, whose descendant would rescue all nations from the curse of death. By meditating upon the chanted psalms, Elisha sought counsel from the very word of God that the sons of Ahab 
rejected. Elisha directed them to believe the Lord's words and to dig ditches in the middle of the desert based on faith in the promise that the ditches would be filled with water. The water, which was life for Israel, brought death to Moab, even as in the days of the Egyptians of the Red Sea. Now baptism is the water which brings life to the thirsty sheep, while those who do not believe in Christ, from whom the water flows, perish. All right. Let's confess our catechism for this week, the third article of the Apostles' Creed, its explanation. Say it with me. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Let's pray. O Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son to give life and salvation to the world, and who together with the Father and the Son we worship and glorify as the only true God, receive our thanks and praise for proclaiming Christ to us through the preaching of the gospel and the gifts of the holy sacraments. Faith in Jesus Christ our Savior, hope in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, and love for God and our enemies are all your creations and gifts to us through the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Preserve the Holy Christian Church among us through the faithful preaching of the gospel and the right administrations of the sacraments of Christ. Bless the communion of saints that every baptized Christian, sharing in Christ's love through the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, might abide in Christ and bear witness to his love in all that we do and say. Give us firm hope in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, so that we might faithfully endure persecution for Jesus' sake and suffer all, even death itself, rather than fall away from him who gave his life for us. Hear us, O Holy Spirit, for you live and reign with the Father and the Son, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray the collect for this week together. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy to your humble servants, that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment, but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Pray today in Thanksgiving with Courtney and Dominic, who celebrate their birthday, with Kelsey, who celebrates her baptism. Pray for the households of our church, especially that of Ray and Susie, Ron, Michael, Tanya, Brandon, Don, and Jean. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Pastor Moon, Ken, Norman Sandy, Kathy, Jim and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul, for the missions of the church, especially the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord to intercede on our behalf, giving us victory over the world. And we continue to pray for the family and friends of Reverend John Herzog, who grieve his death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And the morning prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn, Oh, How Blessed Are They. I think it's Friday. We can sing the whole thing. All right.
All right, that's a lovely bit of poetry. Um, I think it's probably worth mentioning here. Um, I'm pretty confident, yes, that this hymn was translated by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow from the German. All right, and you might know Henry uh, Wadsworth Longfellow. You should, as a matter of fact. Um, think Paul Revere's Ride, Song of Hiawatha. Um, and he was the first to translate into uh, Eng English um, Dante's Divine Comedy. All right, so uh, very much a classicist, traveled around Europe, um, apparently found this hymn and then did a lovely poetic translation of it for us into English. Speaking of uh, life after death and the rest that the Christ gives to those who sleep in him. All right, so I think that's it. So good to have you all with us here today. Good to have you children. I'm glad you were able to join us on YouTube. It'll be good to have you back in person next week um, on Monday, eight o'clock, bright and early as we like to do. And we'll continue next week with Elisha and the widow's oil, uh, which will sound very familiar to us. Uh, think of uh, Elijah with the flour and the oil. Remember that story. We'll talk about uh, a similar story with Elisha and his connection to us and Christ in the church. So that's on Monday. Of course, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, we have congregation of prayer at nine o'clock. Um, but that we consider tomorrow's, or Sunday's, I should say, Old Testament and epistle reading. So we'll prepare for divine service on Sunday. And of course, Sunday service is at 9.30 a.m. with uh, Bible class following. Um, we're going to omit Sunday school yet for one more one more week uh, due to the uh, precautions surrounding uh, the you know, COVID case in the school. All right. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. And we'll see you again tomorrow. And if not, Monday morning.